Welcome to the Commodity Culture Podcast, where we interview prominent investors in the commodity space to give you the inside scoop on the emerging commodity super cycle. And now, on to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Commodity Culture, where we take a look at the commodity space and break it down for both new and experienced investors. My name is Jesse Day. We are back again at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, sitting down with the president of GoldSeek.com and SilverSeek.com, Mr. Peter Spinner. Hi, Jesse. Great to be here with you. Great to have you here. So I want to start with a broader question about the conference, and that is what are some of the main themes, or perhaps you can pick just one, that you see coming out of the conference that you think investors should be paying attention to? I, I believe the one of the main themes is that the sector is turning around and that the opportunities um, are, are returning into a sector that hasn't had that many opportunities in the recent years. So uh, I'm starting to see enthusiasm, excitement, but it's still on a small level, which is good because at the top of the market, like we saw back in 2011-12, this place was... Uh, I had uh, several times uh, the, the attendees, and you had uh, a lot more uh, companies exhibiting. So signs that that market's out of top. This is, is is much different, but we have now firmer precious metals prices uh, supporting us and uh, better prospects. So for the first time in a while, I'm, I'm I'm sensing more enthusiasm and and potential that this is the bottom, and that the sector you're starting to get a sense that the money's coming back so these exploration companies and development companies can start to do some work again, which, you know, you haven't had that many opportunities in the recent years to do so. So that's a, that's that's an important theme that I'm seeing this year. Right. And that that's an important point you also made about enthusiasm. There's a certain level of enthusiasm to where it gets to be too much. You know, like you were saying, totally packed. And when you start seeing everybody on TV talking about gold and silver, um, that might be the time when when things are, have gotten too enthusiastic. So that's a very interesting observation. Um, so I want to follow up on that. Uh, you're talking about the precious metals market. Uh, What's the reason for people to be holding physical gold and silver here in 2023? What What are the main reasons you can think of? Well, I think the the main issue is uh, we're uh, you know been going through a high amount of inflation, whether it's in the U.S., uh, in Europe, Turkey, other places, uh, much higher than others. But uh, the the reason is uh, you want a, a place to protect yourself, and in today's environment, you look around at your options: real estate, bonds. Uh, stocks, uh, the risks are much higher, and uh, the way that the economy is now, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit of growth to no growth, a stagflationary environment emerging, that's very beneficial to physical metals. It's a, it's the best environment for precious metals. So this is um, very unique, where precious metals be maybe one of the few or the only like maybe with commodities uh, sectors out there that has the upside to it and. We're seeing the other sectors just uh, just slowly, you know, you get some of these rallies, but overall, you know, you're not, you know, crypto to stocks, other stuff there, it's not doing so well. So uh, the precious metals, um, you know, they're very important in this time where there's a lot of risks out there and with, uh, with the, you know, uh, where we're at, uh, the, the downside to upside, uh, I think, really favors precious metals at this point. Right, and when it comes to the to differentiating between silver and gold, and we're still on the subject of of bullion here, I think I want to talk about miners in a second. But when we're talking about the actual physical metal, 
Is there one that people should be holding over the other to protect their wealth? Do they play different roles? What, what's your thoughts there? Sure. Um, silver gives it, it, it's, it's a higher risk metal in the sense that it moves uh, to the upside and downside uh, at a higher speed and rate than the, the gold does. Um, it's a smaller market. Gold is more considered, you know, the, the safe haven. It's money. It's it's it's. Uh, it plays a different role where silver, it is also considered money or has been, um, but it's an industrial metal and it's, uh, it has that aspect to it, but it's such a small market. So when the investment interest does flow into gold and if it starts flowing into silver, silver will react to it a lot more positively. I, I favor silver more than gold uh, just because there's a lot more of an upside. It has the industrial component to it. It has the green energy component to it as a green metal. And there's a structural supply deficit um, in in the market. The, uh, the gold market, you know, it, it has a different role. It, it, it plays. Uh, it's 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 there to protect yourself as a monetary insurance. So, I I think both uh, are good for a portfolio. If you're looking for monetary financial insurance, you buy gold. Um, if you want a little bit more of an upside and uh, you're not too worried about you know an economic depression, yeah, maybe silver. So, you know, but again, if gold really does take off and investment comes in, it doesn't matter if industrial demand starts to really fall because the investment side and the silver will just overwhelm it. Um, and, uh, yeah, the uh, inventory levels in the silver market are falling. So there's a lot more uh, potential that the price gets squeezed. Right. So let's switch over to equities here for a moment in the gold and silver miners. Are you seeing any opportunity there? And how do you uh, evaluate a gold or silver mining company to determine if it's worth investing in. Sure, uh, yeah, the miners are really cheap. They've they've had a nice rally over the last uh, few months. So sure, there's a potential here. We get a correction from these these. You know, some of them have uh, doubled from their lows, but you look back, uh, some of them have fallen 60, 70 percent from their highs. You know, there it takes a lot more to go to regain their former highs that we saw just from a few years ago. Uh, so. You know, each miner is different. You got to look at uh, different, you know, uh, risks involved on the risk side. You want to look at where they're mining. Uh, there's different geopolitical risks. You know, you can get some uh, taxation issues, uh, more uh, unfriendly governments in certain parts, and 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 it's uh, it is more of more of an issue as the price of gold goes higher. So you know, you may get more risk coming in there. But for the moment, um, a lot of the miners. Uh, at these gold prices, are they're doing quite well. Um, you know, there, there are some companies like Equinox Gold, they just, some of their costs just searched through. If they, they were pretty much a marginal miner, now as the price of gold goes up, they become very leveraged to the price. So you can do quite well, but again, if the gold price goes down, you can, it can be a bit of a problem. You know, these price, the companies can uh, fall uh, from that. The, the upside with like Equinox, they're to bring on a really low cost mine here in, in about a year, so that's going to change aspects. So every company has its different dynamics. You have to look at your risk um, profile because the smaller miners have higher risks. You want maybe to diversify with a company which has multi mines in different countries. You always want to look at their cash positions and their balance sheets and and and, and look at it from that perspective. Um, but overall, it's 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 not much of a difficult uh, decision here for me to to buy any miner. Their 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 uh, their risks to downside are, are quite limited. I don't think gold and silver are going to get crushed here again. So at this point, I see any pullbacks in the sector as buying opportunities. The miners are going to make the move here first. They're going to do 
get the initial flow of capital coming in, and then the juniors exploration stocks will start to make their move. So you mentioned inflation at the top of the interview, and I'm wondering what you're seeing out there in terms of how inflation is affecting mine operations, because mm-hmm. obviously you get a lot of increased input costs, the cost of energy goes up. So what, what are you seeing out there? How is that affecting the mining sector? And do you think it could actually be a catalyst to increase the gold price as you know, more capital needs to be invested and a lot less companies will be able to economically extract it. Sure. I think when you look at inflation, it shows itself up very quickly for the mining companies. They're, the, they're one of the, you know, they, they use energy, um, labor costs, uh, commodity costs when they're building the mine. So they, they really see, uh, they, they really will, are impacted by the inflation rate, uh, immediately. And yeah, we saw 10, 15, 20% increase in, in mining costs in some of these companies, and it's been a problem. Um, they're doing their their best to maintain, you know, to manage and cut costs and and, and, and deal with it, but uh, there's only so much they can do. Um, yeah, the, it's, uh, it's it's a difficult position. You know, if, if the price of gold and silver do not take off, then it's going to make the incentive to build these mines um, less and less, and the capital's not going to come in the sector, so you're not going to get the development work. And we've had that problem in general with exploration for the last, uh, you know, decade plus. Like the, the, there's these windows where money comes in and get some development work and then, then things go dead. So the sector needs a lot of capital to, to, uh, replenish reserves and resources and the miners, you know, they need to invest more in, in, into it. And, uh, the incentive again is higher precious metals prices. So if, if gold and silver are going to continue to go higher, then it's going to be good. If we get a, and if it does correct and goes down, then boy, there's going to be some supply issues in the, in the precious metal side. Right. Um, so I want to talk about institutional buying because this is something that a lot of people believe could ultimately move the market, particularly when it comes to silver, which is a much smaller overall market cap than, than the physical gold uh, space. Do you see institutional buying increasing at, in, in recent times? And do you think that's a trend that could develop more and more as we move forward. You know, you were talking about investments in, you know, bonds as a safe haven. Well, last year the bond market was down right along with equities. So maybe more of these, you know, pension funds, et cetera, might eventually look to the precious metals for that part of uh, their asset allocation. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, the bond market has been such an easy game for so many, for such a long time that it, no one really thought of it as a, as a much of a risk as a safe haven, you know, bonds. Right. That's, that's, it's ridiculous. It's debt. Um, so there is an educational process going on. A lot of uh, institutions, and you saw it through the ETFs, uh, the gold ETFs, they were selling uh, over the last few years. Even though the inflation rate is going up, they were chasing other stuff. Now that uh, there's not a lot of sectors doing that well, gold and silver commodities are sticking out. I think they're going to you know, come back to it. They're, they're going to see gold uh, now move to new record highs, and, and you're going to see this new energy and excitement, and that's going to get a lot of attention. And once you get the Western investor and the institutions competing with Asia, they're buying, boy, there's going to be real competition for the remaining supply, and that could really put a price squeeze. But the institutions, Wall Street, I think they're starting to understand gold again. It's not something that is as uh, popular among the Wall Street crowd, but they're starting to wake up. I think I think that'll be a pretty dominant theme here in the next year onward that you will see institutions return to gold and uh, and into silver um into silver that's i uh, could have a pretty big impact um so yeah that that could have a pretty big uh price impact and we'll uh 
you know, it's, uh, it, 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 the question is going to be that where are they going to source this supply? Because right. they're, 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 you're getting dwindling amount of silver supply out there. And if you get big institutions with billions of dollars, it just, <laughs> it doesn't exist out there for them. So, uh, it's, it's, it, for the retail guy, it's kind of like, okay, if you can get physical here without huge premiums, buy it now. Because when the, when the Wall Street crowd does come into the sector, it's going to really take off and uh, sourcing supply will be a big issue. So let's go from the soundest money around, the hardest money around, to potentially one of the worst forms of currency that, that could ever be created, and that is central bank digital currencies. You know, there's been news stories coming out about this, uh, central banks testing out. Uh, I believe if it's this, it's not this year, it's next that, that the Fed is going to be testing out uh, a, a central bank digital currency. The Bank of Canada has discussed it, although when it could be implemented, I think that's quite a ways away. Um, Nigeria obviously came out with a CBDC that they restricted ATM withdrawals for their citizens to try to push people more towards that. Um, is this a real and present threat in, in the Western world? And do you think people are just going to accept this? Perhaps there will be an incentive such as we're going to give everybody $1,000 of this currency yeah. for free. Um, how, how do you see that whole scenario playing yeah. out? I think when there's a financial crisis and people are desperate for money and they say, hey, we'll give you $1,000, $5,000, but you got to use a, this wallet that, you know, control, then, then people will, will fall for it. It's a big, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a big threat to our, our financial privacy, our financial, our freedoms, because you, they can, when you talk about capital controls, you always think about international controls, taking money out of the country. Here you've got now a new way to domestically control people. And electronically on a way where you can just switch off someone's wallet or you can limit how much they can use from it and all that. It, it, to me, it's very scary. It's, it's not a, it, it's going down the wrong path and it can be used in a very uh, dangerous way against people. So I don't, I don't like that aspect at all. I think it's a big threat. You know, gold and silver is nice in the aspect that it's independent money. It's not controlled by any one group. It's, uh, private. It's anonymous. It's decentralized. It's, it's the money of free people. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, we're, we're th maybe it's not this year, next year, but it's coming. And, and when there's a financial crisis, they'll use that opportunity to deploy it. And that'll, uh, unfortunately, people will, will be scrambling and, and will be extremely happy to get a free handout at that point. And that's how I think that they'll implement it. Right. Now, let's shift to digital currency once again, but this time gold and silver backed tokens on the blockchain because the one knock that some people have against precious metals is that they're very difficult to send across the world. Mm -hmm. Gold back or silver back tokens on the blockchain solve that issue. It also makes it more fungible potentially as you can uh, divide into much smaller denominations than you could with physical metal. But of course there are concerns about counterparty risk. So this bullion must be vaulted somewhere. How is it being kept track of? In the case of a total, you know, economic collapse when you need to get your hands on physical precious metals, you're not probably not going to be able to. So what, what are yeah. your thoughts on, on digital gold and silver? Sure. I mean, it, it, there are risks. And I think with precious metals, you got to diversify your risks. So whether you're holding gold at home, there's a risk. If you're holding it in a vault, it's a risk. Um, so I, I believe in general, you should be diversifying. As far as the tokens go, <clears throat> they provide an, an a new way to use gold, like you said, as, as a currency, as, as a way to actually use gold in a, in a convenient way. So applying this new, you know, modern technology to, uh, physical metals, I think is, 
it's a fantastic way to get people to start using it. The, uh, you know, there are risks. So yeah, you have to be able to trust, uh, in their counterparts. So you got to be able to trust these guys. Um, you know, so when you're working with the major guys, they're going to have audited by the major institutions, these, these vaults. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to be risk free, but I would say it's, it's an, it's an awesome way to start using precious metals as, as a currency. And it's very limited. You know, in, in a local economy, to be able to take an ounce of silver, an ounce of gold, and use it, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. So th this opens up uh, a, a new possibility of of making precious metals a part of a more modern world, and uh, I think it'll be very popular, especially in other parts of the world where they understand gold. Um, you know, in Asia and in India and in, in China and, and in the Middle East, you know, they're, they're Turkey. They're, they're, these places are are prime for. Uh, a currency that people, you know, that want to use it and, and appreciate it and, and, and buy it. So this is a step forward for, for the, for, for our sector. I think it's, it's good, but sure, it's not without risk. So, uh, it's good to consider it and investigate, you know, which uh, of these tokens you're using, who's behind it and, uh, you know, looking at the audit reports, who's auditing and so on. So. Right. And it could also potentially be a way to kind of bridge that gap between cryptocurrencies and precious metals. So you had a lot of speculative money flowing into the crypto sector, which did not go so well for a lot of people. But I think a lot of those people who are used to the technology and maybe have never held physical precious metals, it'll be a lot easier for them um, to use gold and silver if it's a token, right? Absolutely. It's so much easier to, to, to use it and to buy and acquire it. So it opens up a new market and a new uh, demand source. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. Um, for those who want to hear more, could you tell us about uh, goldseek.com and silverseek.com? Sure. Um, so we've been around, around since 1995, providing precious metals investors with the latest information and financial truth. You can find more about my work on the websites, and I'm also posting on uh, Twitter at Goldseek and on YouTube. Uh, do some interviews here and there, but uh, mostly on, on the website on Twitter. I'm active on Great. Well, I'll put links to those in the description below, so be sure to check that out. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter, and look, looking forward to having you back on to continue the conversation. Looking forward to it too, Jesse. Thank you. Commodity Culture is a podcast that covers investing in commodities and natural resources. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe so you are always alerted of the latest episodes.